You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hello, this is Shade Anozier with the SNC Podcast. Join me bi-weekly as I talk with some of Nigeria's unique music producers and songwriters about their creative process and more. Follow us at the SNC Podcast on SoundCloud. Cheers. I'm Gugu Mbarsarua and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Theo Rossi, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Simone Missick, and I am Misty Knight, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Joy Bryant, and I'm a Black Girl Nerd, and you are listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hello, my name is Corey Glover. I'm from the band Living Color, and right now you're listening to Black Girl Nerds. My name is Reggae Jean Page. I play Chicken George in Roots, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm Dee Watkins, New York Times best-selling author of The Cook-Up and The B-Side. You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What's up, y'all? This is Amanda Seals, comedian, writer, and creator of Get Your Life. And you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Khaleesi! episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, Giandra LaBeouf talks to the cast of Superfly, which comes out this week in theaters nationwide. And in the following segment, Devette and Shanae go in on Solo, a Star Wars story, and they talk about their reactions from the film. And thank you for tuning in to episode 144 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast, Superfly and Solo. Superfly, the film that helped define a genre and its characters, look, sound, and feel, is reimagined with Director X, director of legendary music videos such as Drake, Kendrick Lamar, and Rihanna, and introducing it to a new generation. Columbia Pictures presents a Silver Pictures production, Superfly, which stars Trevor Jackson, Jason Mitchell, Michael K. Williams, Lex Scott Davis, and Jennifer Morrison. Produced by Joel Silver and Future. Superfly is rated R. It releases in theaters nationwide this week. The following features interviews from Trevor Jackson, Jason Mitchell, Lex Scott Davis, and Director X. Sure, Giandra LaBeouf, Black Girl Nerds. It's good to be with you gentlemen again. When you look at the story, you guys are... There's no real good guy or bad guy in the film. But usually when we see you depicted, you guys are in black, the Snow Patrol's in white. Right. But you guys are really, there's no, the line is blurred between good and bad. Right. Can a guy be good but still do bad things? Of course. Absolutely. You can never, always judge a man by his heart and everybody's hands. We all do things 
for the right, uh, do the wrong things for the right reasons. Most people, majority of people have good intent with whatever they do. Right. And, uh, you know, everybody, it's like you can have a plan that you want for your life, but life happens to you and you react. And you can't practice reacting to life if it's a new situation. Right. So you take it however you take it. Um, so, yeah, I do think it's very, very possible. Jason, we see you, without giving too much away, we see you in a di in uh, some different looks during the course of the film. Which of those looks did you like better? Did you like the basic black? Did you like the all white? Which was a better fit? See, this is the one thing I was jealous about. They had all the cool white stuff, right? <laughs> they had a whole white thing going on, but I just couldn't get with it. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I thought my white outfit was fly, but the fact that everybody had on white, and we're not going nowhere, it's stupid. And if we are going somewhere in all white together, where are we going? We equally look stupid. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no way around it. But I get it. You know? Have you guys ever dressed like your boys? Like, I've made a decision as a collective, we're going to do this. Girls do it all the time. Have you ever done that as a collective? My mom and, uh, used to uh, force me and my brother to dress the exact same, probably to we were about 11 years old. Uh, yeah, the exact same outfit. <laughs> I mean, we weren't twins. He's five years older than me. I didn't get it. But, you know, that's what they did. Um, and then as I got older, my brother's like, we're not doing this anymore. And I was like, agreed. Um, and I think now if I'm like going out with my friends or something, I'm like, let's wear the same chain or something. If we have the same. Mm -hmm. Let's not do the whole outfit, though. No. You know? Got to retire. One of my favorite moments in the movie is when you guys have to take the little road trip and go down to Texas for a, an upcoming meeting, and you're told to wait with the car running. Yeah. In theory, it was pretty late when he came back. How long would you have waited for real in real life? If someone told you to wait with the car running, I don't know if I would have waited long at all. Probably ten minutes. I don't know. I'm gone. Yeah. That was a fun part of the movie. Every day, you know, I mentioned I talked to Director X, and the hair is such—it's like its own character mm -hmm. within the film. How long did it take them to do your hair every About day? About thirty minutes. Every single day, 30 minutes, in yeah. and out. Yeah, if, but if I didn't, uh, you know, she was always getting mad at me because she's like, wrap your hair up tonight. I never did it. So I'd have to come in, she'd have to rewash it and straighten it again. So yeah, like 30, 45 minutes. It was cool, though. Got some heat damage, but I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much going on in the film at any given time. There's money, there's nudity, there's drugs, there's music. What was a day, There's the scene where in opening the movie where the it's a lot going on, what was the day like shooting that scene where we see all of the characters kind of in the same place? So you're saying like maybe a party scene that we're all right. in? That was always fun. There's so many extras and we all just had a good time. Yeah. You know what I mean? We weren't filming, we are down there playing games and kicking it. And yeah, it was a good time for sure. Yeah. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. Thanks and talking. Congratulations yes. on the film, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you so, so much. much. Thank you. Yeah. Sure. Giandra LaBeouf, Black Girl Nerds. Okay. Your character, Georgia, she is uh, the right hand next to, to Priest, yes. but she kind of rules with a delicate hand and yes. she knows his lifestyle. Do you think that Georgia ultimately, or what's your opinion on her relationship with him and does she have the real power in the relationship since she finally convinces him to, to leave the game behind? I definitely think Georgia has a lot of power in this relationship. But she also values the equality, too. She lets 
priest be a man when it is necessary. She knows not to step on his toes in that way, but loves the fact that he can come to her and really seek counsel in her and want to know her real opinion and puts her on the same playing field as the men he deals with as well. Georgia is sort of like his eyes and ears with the the legal part of how he navigates around town. Yes. She owns a gallery, yes. but at the core, she seems like a, a good girl, respectable yes. girl, yes. highly functioning. Why is it, do you think, that good girls like bad boys? <laughs> I think ultimately it's the thrill. It's a thrill, and it's a swag, let's be honest. Bad guys have the best kind of swag, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it just, it's a sex appeal, you know, that comes with that mentality. But she also isn't just with him for what he's currently in. Granted, she respects his choices, but she's more in love with the man he's going to be and that he sees himself as. He wants to overcome this current situation. He wants to get out of it. Mm -hmm. And she completely supports him and gives him the best direction to get there. When the original movie debuted in 1972 as part of the black exploitation genre, yeah. now we have a variety of filmmakers telling a variety of stories. Yeah. Would you say, how would you describe this film? Is it a black exploitation film? Is it an uh, action movie? How would you categorize this film? I'd say it's more of an action movie. Okay. I'd say it's more of an action movie because I think that black exploitation definitely paved a huge road for, for actors in this position nowadays. But being honest, the name black exploitation in itself isn't necessarily how black actors and actresses want to be perceived today. Um, you know, half of that word is exploitation, you know, and it's not, it's in a way that can be a little bit degrading these days. So I'd like to think of it more as, you know, we adapted it, of course, but it's more of an action film. It's entertaining. It's star-studded. It's loud. It's glamorous. The music is on point. Um, yeah, I, I definitely would categorize it more as an action and lastly, it almost seems like hair is another character to this film. <laughs> you have fabulous hair. Of course, Trevor's character, Priest, has fabulous hair. Yes. When you guys got ready every day for taping, whose hair took the longest to get ready each day? Trevor's. Trevor's hair took long because his hair is naturally curly. And a lot of people think it was a relaxer. It's not a relaxer. She was actually blow drying and flat ironing his hair every single morning. So that took some time. That took a lot of time. Yeah, sponsored by Lester's or something like that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you yes. so much. All right, thank you. Sure, Giandra LaBeouf, Black Girl Nerds. So so we are here with uh, Super... Are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, so now we are here on the eve of the re release of Superfly. Everyone knows that the original took place in 1972. What would you call this film? Is it a reboot? Is it a... Content what, how would you categorize this film? It's a remix. Mm -hmm. Puff style, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the remix of Superfly. Uh, there are so many elements, in addition to the cast that are appearing in the film, there are so many other characters. The music is a character. The hair is definitely a character. How did you tie all those elements into, into the film to create that different vibe from the original movie? Well, it's, I didn't want a different vibe from the original movie. I wanted to build the foundation off the original movie and then take that where it's going to go. Mm -hmm. So we really took the original. We took the characters. You're familiar with, you've seen the original? Yes. So, you know, all your favorite characters are there. They, they all kind of experience um, similar things to a degree. Mm -hmm. Like we, So we really took the original story-wise and broke it down. What has to happen? 
who does it happen to? What are those things? Who are the people that have to show up? And we brought them all back. Mm -hmm. But then I, we also took the film and said, well, what are the elements that made Superfly beyond the story? Well, the hair is a thing. The music is a thing. The car is a thing. Like, there's all these things that when you look back and, and watch documentaries about the original movie, mm -hmm. that people say, these were very important to us. And this is why people reacted. It was more than just the story. It was these other things that were happening. Mm -hmm. So we went through and said, what are all these things? And then we went and addressed those things. Mm -hmm. Not a copy not uh, purpose, we didn't want to change it. We just said, all right, what is it now? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we need music. We need a singular vision of the music, and that brought in future. The hair is a thing. Well, we made the hair a thing. Mm -hmm. the, the, all the way down the line, we addressed all those elements of the original Superfly and brought them into this. One thing that was very <coughs> compelling to me was when we saw our character Priest and Eddie, they're always wearing black. You have the Snow Patrol who are always wearing white. You know, mm -hmm. the, the obvious nod is that they're cocaine dealers. Yes. But it almost seemed like they were a little more bad guy than than Priest and Eddie, but no one's totally bad and no one's totally yeah. good. How was the, the creating of that juxtaposition with the wardrobing in the, the telling of the story? Well, Snow Patrol represent that drug dealer that gets you in trouble. You know, they're, they're flashy, they're loud, mm -hmm. they're obviously into something that's big, they, you know, so they're always wearing white. Just that they, they it's a symbolic representation of the flashy drug dealer that is attracting way too much attention and then also violent right they they settle their issues violently so um i wanted that i wanted that to be a juxtaposition where priest is over here and it's like you know let that go and we don't do violence and killing people's killing people will put a stench on you and even his mentor says ah no no killing these guys is going to cause more trouble we don't we don't do that so we have our heroes of the movie uh, take a, a very different approach to how problems are dealt with and how they should be treating their criminal life versus Snow Patrol that's just out there. They'll kill you for no, they'll shoot you in front of a club and they'll, they, they're out and out blatant, obvious drug dealers. Thank you so much. Yeah. I didn't want to ask you the next question because I knew it would go take me past. No, past another, give it. Okay. What's the next question? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just had just one last question. With the, um, Okay. Well, okay. With, with this film being set in Atlanta, and we've seen how other films have been set in places, and the audience ha who are from those regions have react reacted negatively because of the depictions of the character, the depictions of the city. Do you think that Atlanta natives will find the, the film uh, shedding a derogatory light on Atlanta? Will they receive it positively? Because we've seen, you know, I like got, with Chirac. Uh, uh, one name answer. Mm -hmm. Big Bank Black. <laughs> he's the man out there baby like you, mm -hmm. Big Bank everyone knows Big Bank so mm -hmm. that's our nod to the city beyond just um, going certain places or doing a scene in a strip club or any of this kind of stuff that we perceive as Atlanta mm -hmm. Bank is a real Atlanta man yeah so mm -hmm. yeah having him in the movie just gives us something it gives us it gives us some real authentic Atlanta everything mm -hmm. um, his culture the way he speaks the way he moves just everything about him that's a real Atlanta you so uh, yeah, Big Bank Black, he's our, he's our official Atlanta card. And now a word from our sponsor, brought to you by Lola. We care about the ingredients in the food we eat. We care about what goes into the beauty products we use. Shouldn't we care as much about our feminine and sexual healthcare products? Lola, a brand founded by two women, is dedicated to providing products and content women need to make informed decisions about their personal health. Lola products are 100% natural and 100% easy to feel good about. The tampons, pads, and liners 
are made from 100% organic cotton with no added chemicals, dyes, synthetics, or fragrances. Lola makes your month a little bit easier with their period product subscription, which is fully customizable. You can choose your mix of products, your perfect mix of absorbency, your number of boxes, and the frequency of delivery. Lola's subscription is super flexible, and you can change, skip, or cancel at any time. Sex by Lola is a new line of sexual health products that are gynecologist approved to maintain a healthy pH balance and peace of mind knowing what's going in and on your and your partner's bodies. I tried Lola myself, and I love the fact that they deliver right to my door, that I can personalize my order, and that the products are 100% natural. I also love the fact that with every purchase, the company donates feminine care products to homeless shelters across the U.S. You can experience Lola products for yourself by visiting mylola.com to get started. For 40% off your order, just enter the promo code NERDS. That's mylola.com and enter the promo code NERDS for 40% off your order. Our next segment is with Devette and Shanae, and they break down the latest Star Wars film called Solo, a Star Wars story, which is centered around the character of Han Solo. Take a listen. And FYI, this segment does contain spoilers. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I am Shanae. And I am Devette. Hello, everyone, and today we're going to Hello. be talking about Solo. Yep. Da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> Solo, a Star Wars story. I always a like Star that Wars little story. addendum. It's like, what else would it be? But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, in in like the um, old, um, well, in Man from Uncle. The, the guy's name was Napoleon Solo, so it could be Solo, oh, a yeah. story. But anyway, go ahead. What a waste of money that would be. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Solo, a Star Wars, mo- a Star Wars movie. Story. Story, movie, whatever. <laughs> and, um, and so I guess before we kind of get into the actual movie, we should sort of talk about the controversy about the box office numbers and Star Wars as a whole, uh, right? We should take some Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can talk a little bit about that. So right. So oh God, there's so much. Um this is kind of residual say. stuff left that, you know, once again, uh it seems to be, you know, weird but hurt fanboy stuff <laughs> um that. yeah yeah i'm sure they will so uh who have complaints about how the star wars universe is being handled and uh, of course a bunch of them got on uh rotten tomatoes and gave a bunch of uh bogus reviews even before the film came out i, b- I believe and you know got the audience rating way down um and so you know it's possible, although I'm not really sure about that, but it's possible some of that bled over into lower box office numbers than they were hoping for. Am I am I on the right track there, Shanae? 
Yeah, you know, I think it's a couple things coming from a business mm-hmm. perspective. I think, honestly, you know, Deadpool's not doing that great either. So there's right. this kind of like, I think a lot of it is sort of when we, and, and then, so I think it's a lot of it is the, the movies are kind of eating themselves because if you are a family of four, right? That's mm-hmm. so each of your movies are $12 plus popcorn, plus whatever. Mm-hmm. That's like $100 every time you go to the mm-hmm. movies. And so you right. want to make that time for event films. Now, you just saw Black Panther. You just saw Avengers. Avengers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you might have just saw Deadpool. And I think that's part of it, too, where it's a lot. And then that plus a really ineffective marketing campaign for this movie has made it to where I think it just was like the recipe for not greatness in addition to some of the residual kind of effects of last jedi hate or just like handling of a star Mm -hmm. wars universe in general and sort of nostalgia and people not wanting people to play with their toys so i think it's like a combination of other things a lot of things but i think i think ultimately and overall we're gonna see because that's been the story even throughout this year is that the only movies that have really done well period are Black Panther and Avengers. Nothing else has right. really done well in a quiet place. Those are the three movies that are doing any type right. of business. Everything else is kind of like not doing that great. So I think it's a combination. And having these Star Wars stacked, I don't, I just, then they stop becoming event films. And mm-hmm. I don't think they're, 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 di- they're not different enough to where they can support being so close together. Because like the Marvel movies, like, what are the two Marvel movies? The three Marvel movies this year are like Black Panther, Avengers, mm-hmm. and right. Ant Man and Wasp. Like those are three right. totally different movies, totally different vibes and stuff like that. But this movie felt like all the other Star Wars movies. So I think that when you're also kind of going in knowing that it's going to be a very same experience, and Star Wars hasn't really done the work to cultivate audiences outside of their fan base that is actually angry at them then, then it's sort of like yes. <laughs> making it where right. it's not necessarily the best conditions because something me and Devet we discussed this it's just that like Star Wars has to this is good like I mean like I you know I am very passionate about Star Wars I've been very angry for the last like six months <laughs> about the Star Wars thing <laughs> But I finally, I think I've come at peace with it in that knowing that this is what needs to happen in order for them to understand that they're going to have to evolve. And like, you can't just like at this point, we know that there's more Star Wars movies coming. So before it used to be this thing where like, oh, they're just kind of coming once in a while. So this is an event and we have to see it. But now God, Last Jedi was in theaters in February, I think. So like, that's really close to i think it didn't get off till then so that's pretty close right and i mean it's i I mean i think bringing back the idea that you know the movies that we actually have in the theaters right now they're splitting you know the box office being split in you know with big bigger movies as opposed to um i don't know it was what um, Black Panther was competing against. I don't know what Infinity Wars was in- competing against, but um, nothing. You it's know, just I them. think everybody yeah. got out of their and, way. And, yeah, and I mean, and let's be realistic. I mean, <laughs> it's like they're already saying, "Oh my God, they'll never make their money back on this one." Uh, but I mean, it made a hundred and three million in North America, 
uh, yeah. over the weekend. And it, you know, it got about 70 million overseas. Um, you know, those are not bad numbers, even considering what was spent on it. It's, I'm, I'm fairly certain. I mean, I, I bet money that they'll make their money back. Now, I know that that's not like the goal <laughs> for, but for Disney like films typically, you know? but right. still that's, that's reasonable. And I mean, especially with I don't think blood. people with, yes, especially so with many... what's out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm like, you know, I tend not to listen to, you know, box office numbers anyway. That doesn't, move me in terms of going to see a film. I'm not going to go see a film because it's like, oh my God, it made so much money at the box office. Let me run down there. I, I think this movie has legs. I think it's going to do well. Uh, if it doesn't do as well in the theaters, I think it's going to do really well on DVD because, I mean, ultimately, whatever the fanboys say, they're going to they're gonna see it one way or another. Right. They're going to buy the DVDs or they're going to do something. Uh, their little you know, hurt feelings. They'll just, if nothing else, they'll watch it so they can, you know, yell at each other about it. So, um, right. you know, yell with each other about it. So, but, um, <laughs> I think, I, I think I heard somebody talking, I can't remember who it was, uh, where they were saying, we need to really stop putting so much emphasis on box office. We really do. Um, yeah. I think when, because, you know, I, that may be influencing people even, almost as much as like audience re reviews or reactions. Absolutely. Or reviews. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's possible that somebody says, Ooh, I guess it's not that good. They're saying it didn't make that much money. So maybe I'll just wait until it's on, you know, on television or something. Yeah. I, I, it's possible. That's there. It just, we need to like stop worrying so much and kind of concentrate on, you know, or, or when the most optimal time is to make good money because a movie's going to make as much money as it's going to make. Seriously, I think. I mean, Black Panther was going to make a ton of money. It just was. For a lot of reasons. Because it was a great film. Because there were so many people who really wanted this movie. Who were planning on seeing this movie, even if it was a bad movie. They were going right. to see it. So there were people who were going to spend money on it anyway. They were going to spend money multiple times on it anyway. They will still see it anyway. I mean, if it, I don't even know if it's still playing anywhere It on was the screen. for a while. It, it, like, it just people stopped will being still on the screen. Go see it. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that, crazy. that movie was going to make a lot of money. Infinity Wars was going to make a lot of money. The MCU films make a lot of money. Star Wars films make a lot of money. This movie is going to make money enough money and um and it was a good i think it was a good movie so i guess we can and start also, talking about that in a minute <laughs> yeah and, and one more thing i no, think it's ahead. unfair it's, i think it's also unfair to compare them I mean, people are like mcu always wins against star wars every single star <laughs> wars movie makes a billion dollars like it's just yeah. <laughs> crazy to me like they are i mean this would be if this movie doesn't make a billion dollars boohoo and yeah. um whatever but like last shot it over a billion even rogue one made over a billion dollars and force awakens made over a billion dollars so like mm -hmm. none of the mcu movies when they first came out made that much money so the fact that star wars mm -hmm. is able to make that much money out the gate without having to do the troubleshooting that marvel had to do it's like so crazy because if you look at the box office numbers for most of the early marvel movies they're okay they didn't really start kicking until after the first one and then all of the side movies they don't do that great i think thor basically barely hit the half a billion mark right. you know what i mean yeah. thor, Ragnarok, mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, this Ant-Man movie is not going to make that great of money. Spider-Man is not no. going to... Spider-Man never got near that. So the fact that we're comparing them and we're putting these expectations on this movie and making and saying these things about Star Wars is unfair. And it kind of goes back to this right. unfair treatment that this franchise gets because of the... the I don't understand. Like, it's just... And this is a problem that... Catherine Kennedy and her branding team are going to have to solve is like, how do we get out from under these expectations? Because it just doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and we talked about that too, but I think, you know, just want to hit one more point that you mentioned before. And I totally agree is that we're getting a star Wars movie very often now. It's like, you know, we first, we got movies. I think it was like, I don't every even know they years. came out once every a year. Years. It was like every two years yeah. initially. Yeah. And then we had like 30 years, no film. And then we had like, you know, more like episode one, two, three or whatever. And then, you know, and then we had another Star Wars. And now we're getting Star Wars movies like every episodes. Six months. And we're going to have. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're going to have a Star Wars theme park and we're going to have. I mean, so Star Wars is now like kind of like when you live in Southern California and Disneyland is right there. It's like yeah. Disneyland is still cool, but you can see it anytime you want. You know, it's like, right, and everybody right. else is like, oh my God, Disneyland, I'll only get to go once in my lifetime, you know? That's, that's but, I the mean, perfect analogy, yeah. Yeah, so, but, um, uh, oh yeah, so, I mean, I think what you were saying about- They have to create the specialness around the, it. Yeah, keeping yes, the specialness but, around the Star Wars brand yes. by creating different types of movies so that they're not all feel the same, because this one- right. I'm I'm like, seriously, like, I don't know. And I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I didn't feel the urgency around watching it. Like, I saw it two weeks late and all the other ones I've seen right on time. And I think, and then also, one of the things that me, and we'll talk about this when we review it, Mm -hmm. is that, like, Mm -hmm. I think Ryan Johnson kind of shot them in the foot, even though I love Last Jedi, because he Mm -hmm. basically made this point of, like, kill the past, like, let's move on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, yeah, yeah, let's move on. Like, I'm ready for new stories. And then we're all of a sudden being taken back. So that was kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what it would have happened if they would have did Solo first, then did Last Jedi, you know what I mean? And then see if that gave us a better kind of, like, taste in our mouths um you know that's you know that's I mean? a good theory yeah because right i mean because we're kind we kind of like said goodbye to that whole or at least we thought we were saying goodbye to that whole history. Was dead. yeah Spoiler. and i remember even the reaction <laughs> yeah <laughs> even the reaction when they said you know so the next movie is going to be solo and everybody's like what you know, it was like, yeah, well, yeah. but why, you know, and, uh, and again, we'll talk about that and, you know, the, you know, the need for it or why there was no need for it, um, you know, but um, I think that may be true. I think there was something to the out of sequence nature of, you know, now let's go back and, and it's like, but no, we really kind of want to go forward. And I mean, even, I don't know, maybe that's why the something of why the fanboys were like crazy um because um i think they were like maybe uh afraid of having oh absolutely icon like taken through the feminist eye (laughs) like what are they gonna do the han are they gonna make it or whatever it's so funny 
I got mm-hmm. in a discussion with this. I got a discussion about this with somebody this weekend, and he sort of was one of the kind of the last Jedi quote unquote haters. But one of the things he mm-hmm. said was that like, oh my god, the Kylo Ren stuff was like some of the best stuff of any of the movies. And on like, I'm gonna be a hundred percent. Like they're all like that. Like a lot of the Star Wars movies are. <laughs> there's a lot going on, and then there's like three uh-huh. huge amazing set pieces that brings it together. But like a lot of the in between mm-hmm. stuff because it's a space opera, and that's how operas and like star like all of the sci-fi movies are kind of like that in the fantasy films where there's a lot of like stuff to wade through but then you have these huge big moments and i loved all of last jedi but i think the mm-hmm. revisionist history of like they're like we wanted story and blah 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 i was like have you seen any of like it's just crazy because i think that <laughs> the nostalgia and i love star wars like i just want you guys to know like i'm one of the biggest star wars fans ever and um even i know that they're not they're they're vibe watches they're not they're not Oscar winning films. They are blockbuster films that Mm -hmm. are great to watch fun watches, which last Jedi is a fun watch. They all have problems because unlike prestige film, which gets to be super focused, pick one audience and give them the story they want. We have to think about kids. We have to think about parents. We have to think about fans. Like there's so much to think about. So all the star Wars movies ends up coming out like that, where they're kind of a little bit for everyone. Like everybody can grab on it and take it as opposed to what fanboys are thinking of like this has to be for me and that's also part of star wars problem and what they have to do is they have to be like okay this target market can't be trusted what can we learn from the um black panther fans what can we learn from the fast and the furious fans what can we learn from those audiences that come out in mass and are not white male based because that's the big problem here is that this audience is white male based and they're they are super powerful they're still the most powerful group in this they don't think so which is ridiculous but they, they it's so are. sad they, they, so, are. they don't get that obviously uh-huh. yeah they, they they're powering these things but star wars has made no efforts to reach out to anybody else which we can talk about like how this story has low-key all sorts of amazing women people of color mm-hmm. oh yeah stuff. We didn't see them at all. Like, they were totally buried the lead. Like, they could have gotten a lot of support from different people of color, but they buried the lead. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that, well, when we talked about this as far as as the fan base, um, I mean, I do think that they're in their death throes, though. I mean, um, the fact is, is that the new audience, and I hope that, you know, the producers get this right. The new audience really is very young, very diverse. And yeah. um, so they, and I'm talking young, I'm talking like 10. And, they are, um, yeah. 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 But they also, those kids have a lot to choose from in terms of their heroes. It's like there was nothing like Star Wars for the the, the, the current like majority fan base when right, right. it came out. There was nothing like that. But there's plenty like that now. So, I mean, they got to start competing for that audience. Right, now, I mean, not right. that I, I advocate like going after the audience, but really, if they want to bring a new generation to Star Wars, they've really got to like start thinking it's like these aren't just little white boys these are little black girls and you know little asian girls and little like all these kids and they love the last jedi like my cousin like my little cousins they Mm -hmm. love that movie they loved the animals they loved like Mm -hmm. the stuff that i didn't necessarily loved they loved that stuff they loved rose you know what i mean so it's like Mm -hmm. if they just keep pushing that and being like this is for you 
you know? I think they actually will have a lot. They should be having a lot of fun with Solo because, frankly, you know, it, it felt a lot to me like old school Star Wars, oh, like it the did. very first film. It was like it had that that sense of kind of fun, even with the more serious aspects of it. Um, it had that kind of sense of adventure that it did. I actually haven't felt in others uh, that have come, you know. I agree. I agree. Even after the first one. I really did have that. So, and I mean... Frank and and actually they're going to have a chance to court those kids with the new Star Wars lands in the Disney on the Disney properties. We're going to have Wookiees walking around Disney. You know that's going to be awesome. Oh God, those poor people! Kids. Those poor people I, who have to be in oh, the Wookiee costume. Listen, I'm <laughs> kidding. They're already Mickey and Minnie and all that. So no, they're probably. But I mean, some really tall guys in there and girls. That's going to be pretty fun. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So. That's all, like, business and stuff. <laughs> let's get into the movie. Yeah, we haven't even but talked about it. Let's get into the movie. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we can revisit that maybe on another podcast yeah. or something like yeah. that. So, all right. So, the movie. So, um, go ahead. Tell me what what hits you, you know, and I'll, like, and I, I'll come I really back with liked that. it. I was, I was mm-hmm. surprised, like, because people were telling me that it wasn't good or I don't know. I don't think anybody actually had seen it. They just had heard that it wasn't good, but it's really great. It feels super star Wars. It feels very yes. George Lucas, like more George yeah. Lucas. Than like the, even good like George the, Lucas. Yeah. Good George <laughs> Lucas. Like his best instincts. And like George Lucas also like, it reminded me a little bit of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's got that like yeah. energy. It's like, it's like, um, and of course, I think a lot of that, you know, it's so funny because everybody says that, you know, if Phil, Phil Lord and, you know, Christopher Miller stayed, there's like a more whatever movie there. But I think that Ron Howard was the one who really kind of made it feel like a Star Wars right. movie in a way that well, is the reason yeah. why they hired her. They, they hired him. Right. Which is really interesting. Yeah. And it felt maybe it feels just like really warm inside, even though it's kind of like dark, it's like very, a lot of death, but it, it made me feel just like, I was like, this is so fun. I smiled the whole time when I was watching it. It was just like an adventure film in the way that we would hope that these side movies are because right. That, I mean, everybody has a different point of view on how these should go. For me, I feel like right. the main episode should be Skywalker space operas, all that dramatic stuff like that. Yeah. But I think the side movie should be more like this fun rides just within the star Wars universe. You know what I mean? Right. You know, somebody on an adventure and that was really, yeah. I mean, that's what Luke was. I mean, the very first one was really just a guy on an adventure, a young guy on an right. adventure, finding himself, finding, you know, truths, discovering things. And even, I mean, it was interesting. It's like you take Han um, in this film and you take Han and, and, you guys, this is going to have spoilers. So if you haven't seen spoilers. it by now, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. spoilers. Um, you take Han in this movie uh, and compare him to when we first meet him in the first Star Wars movie. And um, you see, he's always, this guy really got Han down. I mean, he's really this um, Alden. Really good. Alden um, he really did a good job. But it wasn't creepy. He wasn't like doing... Um, an imitation he really just kind of embodied that spirit and at the same time yeah. there were moments when i was like wow he really studied um <laughs> you know um yeah yeah uh what's his name all uh, right <laughs> so harrison but, ford um, <laughs> harrison ford yes yes oh god i'm sorry brain fart but um i think uh it was great because we get the feeling that you know 
he's 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 already a fully formed individual when we meet him and he's already has that heart that we know that kind of heart of gold person uh but um um, you know, but we, and we get a chance to see that without going too far back, like little baby Han abandoned by his parents or whatever, right. you, know, whatever. <laughs> you know, we get to see him as a young man going on an adventure, just like we get to see Luke going out on an adventure. And I think it was also interesting that we, based on everything that's happening to him, then if you look at the first Star Wars movie, which I intend on doing, uh, I, you can kind of see those moments where he, it's almost like he knows what the for you know he kind of know he knows more than he's saying he knows when he's talking to Luke and there were moments in the first film when I thought what does he really know I mean I don't know if that was in I doubt if it was intentional but it feels that way when you see this one like he's already yeah. been through it he's already had like moments of nobility and you know uh, fighting for the the underdogs and yeah I mean I kind of got that from this and it play in and it feeds into that first film really well and I think Ron Howard brought that yeah to it yeah that was I don't him. know whether yeah I th yeah I think he actually because you know he was a young filmmaker when it came out um, he understood right. he understood yes. it yeah yeah and I so, think and I think yeah, it's and it's I mean it's a greater it's a greater brand question again this is all like a branding stuff it's like is this what we want you know what i mean do we want it to feel very star wars or should have this been like a huge departure so again so no. like the fanboys will get off of everybody's <laughs> kick you know or yeah you know what i mean like it's but, just a you know and what do they have to complain about again this was a very star wars feeling film it it I, I you know i can't imagine it's like what why are you guys upset i mean this is han solo this is he's very much like han solo he's not being anybody but there's you know uh uh chewbacca being very chewbacca-y and i mean L donald glover just like killed it as knocking out of mean, the park oh my god oh yeah. my god everything he is so good he is so good he was a better lando than the original lando i have to say it was like he took all of that lando-ness and really gave it he really channeled it he channeled yeah, it but i think he had more to do too, more of an emotional so. yeah i mean like listen that's yeah. a, the big thing about lando is that he's like mm -hmm he's not really that much of a fleshed out character. He's not given that mm -hmm. much to do in the series. Like he comes mm -hmm. and he like right. has his arc, but like he was given more agency and like real depth to that character. Mm -hmm. Lando, like, yeah. like what's Lando really about? Like, who is he yeah. really? Um, so mm -hmm. I really like that before. I mean, that's the best, like, I mean, every like Donald Glover, um, you know, he's wow. great, but this is like my favorite I've seen. Like, this is my favorite role I've seen him in, even more than his stuff he's doing now. Because it just was like yeah. so nice to see him really doing something so different. Right. It was like flamboyance and stuff. So I just really, really like. <laughs> no, he he just oh my god, but he still wore being that masculine, so well. right? Still yeah. like. Yeah, but it was still being, like, very masculine. And I think also one of the other great things was, like, everybody had really great chemistry. Like, you couldn't yeah. really sense that there was all that much trouble behind the scenes. They all seemed to be getting along, and everybody was very, like, mm -hmm. um, in their scenes. I mean, it felt like this everybody was, a, was a good cast. Like, it's a really nice yeah. cast of professionals. They were all you know? solid. They were all really, I mean, and... Uh, 
they were all, you know, they seemed like they, they loved their roles. They were really into it. There was stuff going on underneath the surface that you could really see. And, um, and there was some subtle stuff going on. I mean, cause I mean, let's be honest, the first film, um, the only real acting being done was by Alec Guinness. That was really, uh, everybody else was just kind of, we're here you know, and yeah. we're, we're doing our we best. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, we're, we're doing our best. And, and, and I, and I was, and we were fine with that. We were fine with that. But these actors really, They're I mean, they were with- like bringing their a game. They were totally bringing their a game and they had an awesome a game, including just the voice actors, L3, uh, oh, the yeah. actress. Or, yeah. Oh, 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 she just, blew me away every time she opened her mouth and just watching the animation of that uh the body, of that droid yeah. oh she was just amazing and um and her the you know and again spoiler her death scene both that was the most moving thing i've seen in a while and i gotta tell you donald glover it was, I don't know what it was like for him act. I mean, who he was actually holding. I'm assuming he was actually holding the actress because he was mm-hmm. so, it was so real and so yeah. painful. And, uh, I kind of, it reminds me of, did you ever, did you ever see cocoon? Oh my God. Ron Howard. Oh my oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the scene in cocoon where, um, I can't remember the act. Brian Dennehy is holding the alien who, dies the ah, one who dies yes, in the yes, pool yes, yes, yes. it's basically the same that moment oh my god it really yeah, is I just, it, that just now hit me right now because i was thinking wow, about it crazy. and i thought that scene is always so i can't even watch it without tearing up and in, in that movie and then seeing my god it's the same it's oh, the same exact I wonder if he, oh it's like Wow. But you know what? Ron Howard is good at emotional moments. He's he good is. two things, emotional moments and ensemble. Yeah. He knows how to bring a group of people together in a yeah. way that very few directors really master. And he's one of the masters of ensemble. He did it in Apollo 13. He did it in the paper of really not. Did you ever see the paper? Uh uh-uh, I don't think I saw the paper. Dude, watch the paper. It's one of the most underrated films that he directed. It's one of the most underrated films. It's got Michael Keaton, um, Marissa Tomei, Robert Duvall, uh, uh, Glenn Close. It's got a kill killer of a cast, and it's just about newspaper, a newspaper in New York that's like kind of modeled after the Post, and um, or not the Post. Sorry, um, what's the rag New York Times. In- no, not the, New no, York not Post. The New York Post. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it is the Post, the one that has all the sensational headlines. So, um, oh, no, that's not New York. But anyway, uh, but anyway, it's that kind of thing. It's a rag, and and if you want to see a really good working of ensemble, that's that's the one. Uh, but anyway, he does that. He's really good at it. And yeah, uh, I and definitely I think thought it, it was here. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody was doing really good. Um, mm-hmm. So should we, I feel like those are all the like good parts. Should we kind of switch gears into like what we didn't love so much? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, you know, it's funny. I actually has came out with a really good feeling about it. Me too. Um, so I didn't have, I mean, it's not like it was perfect. It certainly wasn't. I mean, there were some moments that were kind of, 
hokey. Like I thought the I thought the beginning was kind of weak. I thought the whole setup. That's what I was gonna uh, say. The whole setup was really weak. Yeah. Yeah, it went kind of fast and and I didn't I didn't think it was necessary to do the big centipede lady. I was like, what the come on. Very Star Star Wars though. Yeah. But wasn't it though? It was. It was kinda like and I'm just so glad it it didn't have to be a puppet this time. Um so the the beginning, that whole sequence and it's like, are we gonna, you know, have him facing down the guy who's gonna like kill him? I mean, there were lots of moments that were echoes of other moments of Hans and other films, so uh, so sometimes they work better than others. I think the beginning didn't work as well. Although I did like the sequence when they were trying to actually escape. Well, once they got to the quote unquote, I like that part too. Border. Yeah, I thought that was good. Really nicely played at the booth where they were, you know, exchanging the, you know, um, the fuel or whatever the hell that stuff was. If they were <laughs> super fuel or whatever, I don't mm-hmm. know. But um, I. Yeah, so I think that was probably the weakest. You know what was really, I have to say, really powerful was the reveal of the Marauders, the young, the girl. Oh, yeah, that oh, was my great. God, I love, that was so powerful, and I just couldn't figure out exactly why, but it was just super powerful when she took off her hood. It was just like, wow, she really interesting. that. Yeah, yeah anyway. it was a really interesting choice. Yeah, I think for me, it's one of those things where... The movie doesn't, it kind of evaporates. I think that's my biggest kind of like, mm. um, it's just that like I was telling, you know, she saw it yesterday and I saw it Thursday and I was having a hard time remembering what happened versus <laughs> yeah. Last Jedi or even Avengers. Those movies are like burned into my brain. You know what I mean? Like mm. every scene mm-hmm. is because it just had more impactful wakes. So I think that overall the movie is just a little light so that it kind of evaporates. Again, that's how most Marvel movies are, so I don't know if there's anything necessarily wrong with that. But because Mm -hmm. the movie by design is so low stakes, you know what I mean? Like it's so low stakes that (laughs) it's hard to make it. And I don't know, and it's hard because, you know, at some points – and I think this is something that I saw in all the reviews. It's like, it's great, but do we need it? That's kind of a question that comes right. up. And for me, it's not like, do we need it? It's like, do we needed it for this character? I would have loved, like, I think everybody would have loved this movie if they would have just taken it, the whole plot, everything with it, and just did it with new characters, new Star Wars yeah. characters. Okay, you know? Yeah, and you mentioned that, and I think that would be... I I think so too. I think it would have made a great like let's introduce some new characters and follow right. them on adventures, you know. Right. I mean frankly, I think we're starved for it. We are we I mean we we're even with um even this, with this the last Jedi more and you know? Yeah, you want you want to say it's like okay, bye guys. You, you were fun. We love we know everything we right. need to know about Han and Leia and Luke and all the gang, okay? Right. Now let's get some yeah, it would be great to see some new really vital characters and try and follow them for a couple of movies. That right. would be um so yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think you're right. The story is light and I think maybe I don't Maybe that was on purpose because we've had such heaviness throughout. Yeah. I mean, the rest of the films, I mean, it's, they've been so heavy. Like when you saw the first movie, Rogue you just One wanted to especially. jump up and cheer. You know, you just right, like, right, right. Yeah, you know, with the first one. But since then, it has been like one heavy moment. Gosh, people dying and just torture. And it's just been, 
you know, we've watched so many people die and there's been so much sadness. And in this one, it was just, I mean, yeah, we had some sadly too soon deaths. I mean, Tandy, uh, no, what a great character. Why is she She dead? She was so great. She was so awesome. I I got so angry. I was so angry. I was like, I know. I was like, my mouth hung open. I was just like, wait. What? Wait. What? So she's not really dead, right? I and I'm so mad. And then even Woody Harrelson, to a certain extent, although it was necessary, I suppose, for his character to die because, yeah, it was just kind of necessary. I think there was a sacrifice that was needed. You know, like you're watching, you're watching it, and all of these characters are being killed off just to keep characters that we already know. Like that was like, I think one of the biggest frustrating parts (sighs) watching. Think that's why people have a problem with it is because you just feel like you're in a time loop you know what i mean yeah, like you, right you yeah always introduced you're like these are great these are great oh crap they all have to die even paul bettany i was like this is great yes I love it. let's see him do yeah. some other stuff like let him be like yeah. our next um you know uh what is it it's not boba fett um shoot 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 i'm sorry i'm like really uh, um the big um slug guy no (laughs) oh my god i hate everything right now i can't believe i can't remember his name but you know the big slug guy like let's have him java Java. yeah well you know somehow i thought you know that that was going to be but i guess that's who he was off to meet was java i mean that was going to be also frustrating i'm like yeah the hut like oh my god like can we please follow this somewhere else that's my biggest but no I think that's why ultimately the movie is well too is because they're like, well, why am I watching this? All these people are going to be killed off and like, it's not going anywhere, you know? Right. Right. Oh, and do you think that's one too? Rogue One might've also made that for people too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's prevented people from wanting to watch this because they were like, Rogue One was like, we watch all these people spoiler they all die and so they're like right. okay, well, these prequels that's well, the experience it's like just watching everybody right. die to make room for the main characters and i don't want to do that so that could be another factor as right. well right um so right okay so i mean overall good weaknesses were exactly what we were talking about it really has less to do with the actual performances except uh, or structure of the film which except for maybe the the beginning and more to do with the fact that you know why did why did we need it you know we really right. again um, we really didn't need this movie not that i have a problem with a lot of what we saw i very much liked seeing chewy at you know really love, his beginnings love, uh, yeah. very cute it, it was funny it's like wow he, he actually looks younger uh, that's weird even though his character is supposed yeah. to be 100 and whatever but he actually kind of looked like younger Chewy, yeah, 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 which is kind of cute, and um, you know, uh, Paul Bettany, of course, was great and just really creepy. It's just, I kept every time he ate something or drank something, I thought, is there something human in there? I mean, it just felt like yeah. the kind of guy who would like devour other people or something, right? <laughs> um, uh, and we talked about the robots. I mean, the droids. Excuse me, and also the female lead. We really haven't talked about her so much mm-hmm. i liked her mm-hmm. yeah like- i mean i liked her we got another brunette thing going on oh i know so i mean you know what it's funny normally i would be like yay brunettes and then but it's like 
And because they treat brunettes like blondes in this in the they franchise, do. you know, they really just like me. Brunettes like blondes. Like, so yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's like, so, huh, I interesting. Take it. I can't take it anymore. If they like, give her at least a redhead or something, can we just throw up just some something? Or a blonde. Like, give her some blue hair or some uh, something, you know. Well, you but know, she was she was good. People, she was. You know, people don't. I think like originally the whole thing was that like you know people don't really like blondes and roles like those. You know, they have to be mm-hmm. other stuff, and the brunettes make them take more seriously and all that stuff because of sexism and all that. But I think they've mm-hmm. taken it yes. too far. They've taken it too they far. Have. They have. Was there was nothing. You could have easily cast a blonde in that role. I wouldn't have had a problem with it. Or, right. or anybody. Or but I mean. Yeah, or Asian girl, anything. anything. Yeah, Asian girl, hey, hey. Or African yeah. American, or somebody. Uh, but she was fine. I didn't have any real complaints. I would say as her performance was good. I just had some. There was not a lot of warmth there. <laughs> it just, yeah. I, I kept wanting, I liked her. And, and it's funny. We were saying that <clears throat> the beginning was kind of weak, but she was really, I liked her in the, <laughs> in that first scene a lot more than I tended to like her throughout the middle. And then I liked her better again at the end. It was like, you know, it's hard. She has a really strikingly, she has a really pretty face. And I think even mm-hmm. in um, Game of Thrones, sometimes it's kind of hard for her to act through it does that make sense yeah like, I yeah think a lot of you know what i mean like to act through charlie Theron does this really well where she like is mm-hmm. literally one of the most beautiful women on the planet and she manages to always break through that beauty with her performances right. like mad max and everything she just kind of like breaks out of it and i think amelia yeah. clark hasn't learned how to do that yet she still kind of settles into her face versus like acting through her face you know what i mean yeah yeah, I think it's interesting with her. She has a classic beauty. Very Audrey has Very, and actually in a lot of ways, very much like um, uh, Carrie Fisher, who also oh, had yeah. this kind of uh, very 30s kind of... Uh, Carrie Fisher 40, had a little bit more spice to her. She has a little bit more edge. Yeah. Amelia Clark Later. is kind of vanilla. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, yeah, yeah, and she is. She's, but I mean, if you look at Leia's face in the very in the first film, there's this soft, soft roundness that was really popular in the 30s, and uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's why part of the reason why she was cast because, you know, Han later falls in love with Leia. You know, maybe ah, there was something. There was. I think that maybe something there. You know. So um, okay, well, oh, and we can't, we can't really in this without talking about Woody Harrelson who I love Woody Harrelson he can do anything I don't he care can. I love him in everything I love him in everything <laughs> it's really sad yeah. <laughs> but he is but I mean he just so good he brings oh, like such <laughs> humanity to everything that he does he's like and I yeah I'm always there for Woody Harrelson in pretty much Me anything too. so um, he didn't disappoint at all. I always this. want him to win. Um, it doesn't matter how bad he is in any movie. I always want mm-hmm. him to win because he's so good yeah, at making was... those characters likable, you know? Yeah. 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 So, uh, and then we already talked about Paul Bettany and, uh, Clint Howard made his usual, uh, <laughs> cameo in every single one of his brother's films. I gotta say, Ron Howard is consistent. He will always cast his family, especially 
Clint Howard and oh, I, Clint. Looked up, <laughs> I, I even wasn't even looking for him and then I saw him and I was like oh my god there he is so uh, <laughs> um, that was cool and yeah so yeah so overall I, I, I like think to go the, see it guys it's good it's fun yeah yeah I think yeah I think it's a solid it's a solid film it's a lot of fun just have some fun just go have some fun with the movie yeah. and, and enjoy the 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 deeper parts and the action is good. Oh, the, Oh my God. I got to tell you when they were in the, the fight, um, uh, that was so reminiscent of the first fight we see millennium Falcon. And we got, uh, Woody Harrelson in Luke's place. I mean, Oh yeah. That was so cool. And when the minute Chewie sat in the co-pilot seat, it was complete. It was I know perfect. it was amazing. Oh, that just, I mean, I think the whole, I, I, the, you know, I think everybody just went, oh, now, now we're home, you know? And so good job there. Um, yeah. So yeah, go see it. Please go see it because it's worthy. It's more than worthy. worthy. It's definitely more worthy than like so many of the films that have come out since the first one. And, but yes, please. Can we move on to a different group of people for, the next please, Star Wars film. Please. Have they even announced the next Star Wars film? Well, they said that Is they were gonna... doing a Boba Fett movie with um, oh, the guy geez. who did Logan. But I mean, the guy who does Logan did Logan is really good, but I don't want it. Yeah. I don't want it. No, I don't want no. it. It's like, so no. I hope that these box office numbers are help them kind of think through these decisions Rethink a little more. Um, think about the I next generation, happen. Kathleen. Think about yeah. the next generation. There's a bunch of little kids out there who don't care about the rest. Of, they want to see stories. They want to just good yeah. stories. It doesn't have to be stories about Boba Fett or <laughs> like anybody else in the old universe. Stop appealing to the old star yeah. it's just so stupid like why would you yeah. they're awful they're awful so why would and, you want to keep and they want to move on them? anyway yeah they're mad they're like on. you know let them yeah. let them go let them you know on. all they're gonna do is trash it yeah so yeah time to move on time to move on Try something and else. yeah so all right so i think overall i'm giving it a couple of thumbs up a couple of few stars uh, the whole thing stars. and i have every intention of going to see it again in the theater and i'm probably gonna you know i i haven't bought any dvds in decades um but i think i'm definitely gonna i mean i still have to buy uh the um uh black panther and this one i think i think i I would actually buy this because i think i really would because i think it's just a fun addition i haven't bought any of the other um star wars films since i think the the trilogy when we have we have like an original video set. Ooh. Uh, yeah, the unretouched. I think I don't know, maybe it's worth something. But uh I would actually almost buy this one cuz or at least I would um you know, keep it rent on it. a yeah, rent it over or I don't know if I would. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I own I own The Force Awakens, which I actually don't Mm -hmm. watch that much. I watched The Last Mm -hmm. Jedi a lot. But this one, but you know, it is true. It's it's a nice addition in that it's a nice, like, it's going to be great as a rental. And it's going to be great as something Mm -hmm. you own. Because it's like, it's again, it's like watching Jurassic Park or Raiders of the Lost Ark. Where you just kind of put it on and like go on an adventure. It's like that type of movie. Like, you know, yeah. like, which, you know, like The Last Jedi, like, I watch it, but I have to be in the mood because it's kind of heavy. Um, mm-hmm. And 
Yeah. And it, it is like going to a space opera. So you're like, oh, this is like all very Baroque. But like this one is sort of like an anytime movie. So that's really interesting. Yeah. This is a Saturday afternoon watch for sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm at home. I'm like, it'd be great on TBS. <laughs> it's like, oh, let me just yeah, sit. Yes. Would not, yes, TBS. it would. Yeah. And I would so totally good. like have my kids watch it with me if I mm-hmm. had kids or grandkids or whatever. So, um, okay. So, yay that yay that okay so are we good this week that's it yeah that's it thank you guys thanks guys and um you know talk to you next time okay bye bye today's episode was brought to you by lola feminine products the black girl nerds podcast is produced by jamie broadnax The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.